solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Bum, 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 bum. Chapter 12 Silver and Opals Welcome to another episode. I'm Alex. I'm Molly. And this, this is Potterwatch. Potterwatch. Da, 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 da. Bow, bow, bow. It's chapter 12, <laughs> Silver and Opals, which I think is a dumb name. I do too. Mine is also dumb though. So <laughs> I didn't do a better job of renaming it, but I would like to say that that's not your best work. I don't even get it really. Like what's the silver? Right, the opal I'm assuming is the necklace. Well, yeah, the necklace is made out of opal. Is the thing that Mundungus is taking? So, oh, yeah, the goblets. Goblets. A very minor plot point. <laughs> um, all right, well, what did you rename it? I renamed this chapter A Deathly Delivery. <laughs> um, her next murder mystery novel. Right, it's so... It's Hallmark's so next film. <laughs> That's what I was thinking as I wrote it. I was like, I feel like this is like a Lifetime original movie. Um, I named it Hexed and Vexed at Hogsmeade Village. Oh, that's awesome. I that's, felt like it was cute. I felt it cute about cool. it. <laughs> um, the only thing that would make it better if it was like Hexed and Vexed and T-Rexed. <laughs> Hmm. And perplexed. Ooh. Perplexed about who did it. Ooh. Um, speaking of rhyming, did you rhyme in your haiku? I did. I sure did. I have to make up for my bad name. <laughs> um, uh, gonna go second then? Yeah, it's not, it's still not good though. Like it rhymes, but like it's not my best work. So how confident are you feeling about yours? I, I feel like mine will be like slightly worse just because I only rhyme twice, like two lines. Okay. I'll, I'll go first. I like that that's how we decide. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> Kerm gets a bad rap when she get when she's just good looking out. Katie falls in trap. I feel like that one is meant to be wrapped. Like, <clears throat> let's go. Herm gets a bad rap when she's just good looking out. Katie falls in trap. Whoop, whoop. Very <laughs> good. Lovely. Loved it. Like, I love like the when she's just looking out. <laughs> Amazing. Ugh. So that was mine. <laughs> Amazing. Loved it. Um, mine is, um, casting careless charms, a dodgy dung, and cursed Katie, hero Harry's up in arms. Nice. He is on his hero horse today. Oh, he, I mean, 
it's hard for me to like get mad at him because as we know he's correct but yeah I have some notes about that and like I was also trying to think about like we one if we don't know and two what if he was wrong like thinking about it like that way um about both situations the book and the Malfoy stuff so right he took some hard stances today Let's jump right in, because I have some feelings about this first section in particular. Yes. Are we um, talking about the curses in the book, perhaps? Um, I am talking, perchance, about the person in the book and Harry's um, sudden um, need to do random smells on people without knowing what they're going to do. Yeah, I had, well, so my cue for that was, like, do some of these say what they do, do you think? Like, do, are they labeled? No. No. I'm going to say no. But before we get right into there, I'm going to say, Harry, is it likely that Albus Dumbledore forgot something? Like, yeah, he's he's talking about Dumbledore being out of the school and is like, do you think he forgot about our lessons? Um, yeah, but I did. I was like a little proud of Harry because he was like, I feel abandoned. And I was like, good. I'm glad we're identifying this. Identifying, recognizing his feelings. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling abandoned. And what I need is for Dumbledore to be present more. Great. I think that's a great step. I feel like you are, like, mediating Harry. Like, you're giving him some counsel. Yeah. I mean, if any time a character, like, correctly identifies how they're feeling, I get really happy. Because I think that's a genuine skill. Yes. Um, And that is part of my professional career, is identifying feelings. Well, I knew. That's why I was like, yeah. I was telling the listeners, in case they didn't know. (laughs) I have a very niche uh, job. <laughs> you do. Um. Yes. So curse, like just deciding, oh, I'm going to just try this out on crab or I'm just going to do- try this out on blah, blah, blah. I, I have, a, I actually was wondering like if there are notes next to them because he notes when like there aren't like he's like it only says like nonverbal next to it or it only says for enemies so maybe the other ones do say like toe curling or whatever it is disgusting yeah those toenail growing one I I also wonder about like people going to the hospital wing for these so like the toe curling and um yeah, there was like another What's the one. other one? Oh, the tongue on the roof of your mouth. Right. Like, I feel like if he goes to the hospital, if those people go, excuse me, whoa, if they go to the hospital wing, Snape is going to like notice a thief. I kind of think not on those because, and as Lupin said with Love of Corpus, um, that they, they become sad. That. Yeah. Um, You're right. And I but, have. Uh, sorry. 
I have a feeling like lots of people hex each other in the hallway. Like, I don't think that's totally uncommon. Oh, no, not that part. I just think like the toenail growing and like curling is like a very specific spell as is like levy corpus. But you're right. Like, I think they go through fads and clearly we've already seen levy corpus as they mention again in this chapter. But I think it's dark that he practices them without knowing like what they're really gonna do on random people even if it is like crab and boil I think I mean what if it was what if they were each at the level of sectumsempra right that's what I'm saying like yeah. no I'm, I am agreeing it makes me like glad that Harry gets the sectumsempra punishment because I think this is like a bad mindset to go into with magic so I'm a hundred percent on Hermione's side of like disapproving of Harry practicing this untested non-ministry sanctioned magic on random people like that would be akin to like I don't know like not necessarily the same but like similar to giving someone like a medicine that's not like FDA approved or something like yeah, I was just thinking drugs too like it could be laced like you don't know. you don't know what the side effects are gonna be you don't like buying drugs off the internet, for instance, which right. people do, um, and it usually ends badly, I would say. Yeah, I think it's not. And I just was rereading. Yeah, I was just rereading a little part where the tongue one, he does it twice to an unsuspecting filch. And I get it, like, we hate filch, but like, filch doesn't know magic. Like, he can't. he can't defend himself. His body is, like, not prepared to, like, naturally fight it off, I don't think. Like, this is behavior that James would do. And I always think that Harry diverts from James in that sense. I totally agree. This is a classic, like, James mood. Um, it's not just the Levitt. I mean, obviously, Levitt Corpus is a direct example. But, like, just the, I can just hex whoever I want because I know how to. Right. Um. So I had a question. Or because I can hex anyone they want because they didn't treat me or my friends right. Like that's that's like, and you're still being a bully. You're still not right. Yeah, I I think it's a. I think Harry's above this, and I don't really approve it. Approve on that. Approve of this. And usually when it's Harry v Hermione, somehow I end up taking Harry's side because sometimes I think she can be a little bit of a stickler and like not wanting to have fun. But in this case, I think she's totally right. And honestly, I think she could have gone further. Maybe, yeah. I I had a, I wanted to talk about that more in a little bit, um, about her whole reaction. Uh, but, I, I mean, I am often, like, saying, using the argument that Harry's, like, kind, sometimes stooping to, like, whoever's level – and I think I, like, use that as a crutch too much. Like, Harry is allowed to, like, not be a perfect hero. Like, you've made that argument. Like, he doesn't have to be a perfect hero. But I do think that this is an instance where, like, this is, there's no reason for this kind of um, stooping in this sense. Yeah, um, like, I don't think it's warranted. It comes out of, no- well, like, it's, com- I think it's weird because it's completely of Harry's, like, own fruition like he decides to do this it's not like crab and goyle haven't done something particular to him that week filch hasn't done something particular to him that week 
Ron certainly didn't do anything particular to him, even though he wasn't aiming the spell at him. It's like, yeah, Harry, Harry Bud. Yeah, it's not good, I would say. But I do have like just one. I have a quick. This is like going back in notes. Yeah, I have this lovely note for my Twilight fans out there. Um. Harry lying in bed reading a textbook before class. Who are you, Bella Swan? <laughs> um, yeah, it is funny that he's like obsessed with the book. What? Well, actually, that's what I was about to say. You just made me think of it. Um, like la- a couple of chapters ago, we were saying how like Hermione tried to compare it to Ginny in the diary, and we were like, that's kind of a low blow. But the way Harry's like treating this book, it's he's like obsessed with it. Like he is taking everything. Like it might not be magically doing anything, but like he's affected by this book in like kind of a scary way. Like it's changing his personality. I do think it's weird that it affects him this strongly. And I would love to like deep dive why we think that is a little bit like why he gets so attached to it. Like well, at, at this point, like after we like after he remembers that Leva Corpus comes from James and he starts to like maybe think that James is the Half-Blood Prince, then I kind of get, I would get the, understand the attachment. But here, I don't know. I, I think it's very of, I think, the power of it all. I think I get it because he trusts it from the moment he won that potion in potion class. So like he followed those directions and they like worked out for him. So that yeah. was like, it cemented that trust. And like, that's the part of like, we, we've always said like, that's like the Slytherin part of Harry is like, once he like trusts somebody, like they're in his like circle kind of, and he trusts this book now. So he's like defending this book to the end. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, that's interesting. That's actually a bit Slytherin of you, Harry. That's what I mean. Like that's his like Slytherin trait. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, Because I think we can pinpoint a trait of Harry's from, like, each of the houses in a lot of ways. And, like, I think that's his Slytherin trait. Um, I had a question about Muffliato. Um, Do people realize that they're, like, a curse has been put on them? Like, can they realize that, like, they can't hear? Or is it I don't think so. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a pretty handy spell. Um, yeah, that's definitely the best one. <laughs> yeah, and and that one he knows what it's gonna do, so that one doesn't really bother me that he tried it out. I think it's like him trying spells out on like, yeah, I don't know. I think Hermione's right to compare it to Fred and George. I think it is similar of them trying out their products on like first years and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah. And yeah, then, it's definitely reckless. It's reckless. I just don't think it's right. And I think he know he should know it's he should know better. <laughs> I love the irony of Harry learning a nonverbal sm- spell from Snape ultimately. Me too. When they're like when he's like, Yeah, I learned more from the half blood prince than I ever could Snape. I'm like so embarrassing, Harry. How embarrassing for you to think that. <laughs> but also, why is it that he can easily do a nonverbal spell right now? Like it's, and, and he even, like they even point out like 
he has been having trouble with nonverbal spells, but he can do it. I think it. Harry has a block about Snape. It's, like, similar to when, like, Snape was teaching potions. Like, clearly Harry could, like, do a potion fine. Like, even but, if it... Yeah. Even if it wasn't, like... You know, this is something he really wanted. And I think his magic has always really been in tune to, like, what he wants. So the fact that he is like focusing on it and he really wants to do it like I don't think he wants to be successful like in a defense against the dark arts class taught by Snape I think he's like angry in that class so he's not focusing you know but they are starting to use them in all of their classes like transfiguration stuff like that and I think he's still have like I think most of the students are like struggling with it because it's like hard but I was wondering if like this spell was like designed to be nonverbal, so like that makes it easier somehow I don't know (laughs) If that makes sense. But they say levy corpus out loud. Like, it doesn't have to be nonverbal, right? It says use. It, I, I think he only does it nonverbally because it says in parentheses, like, nonverbal. Right. Yeah, I assumed that was, like, I don't know, like, a for surprise, but you could say it out loud. But maybe yeah. that's just me because the movie always says it out loud. Like, the movie never does it nonverbally. So I'm thinking of that I wonder at the end with Snape does he try does he say that spell or does he try and say sectum sempra I think he tries to say sectum sempra uh-huh. yeah in the movie yeah no in the well in, in the book yeah it's sectum sempra yeah dare use my own spell against me yeah so I think leva corpus is always a non-verbal right. yeah no yeah yeah no, I think you're right. Right, I just think the movie confuses me because they always use it out loud, obviously, because it's a movie and they want you to hear what the spell is. Right. But, uh, so I'm like, so when I saw that, when I was reading it this time, I was like, oh, that's just like to surprise your enemy the same way you would like any other nonverbal spell. But that doesn't really make sense why you would say this one was specific. To the yeah. Spell. I think that's a good point. But if it was, like, made to be non-verbal, it, like, worked better. Because it's not, like, you're not retraining yourself on another spell. Yeah. It just, like, maybe it doesn't have the same kind of... Yeah. And maybe there is, like, a trust there with the book. Convergent. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think there might be a trust there with the book again. Like, he believes in the book, so he kind of is more confident with it. I don't know. Yeah um look at all my doodles I doodled so much so beautiful I've I've taken to really like doing some like doodles on this part of every time that we like yeah I there was like a lot of downtime in this chapter like I had like notes for stuff but then there was like eh, okay (laughs) yeah yeah um I'm at the Hermione stuff if we want to talk about that more too. Yeah. So my first note about that, and this is in response to Harry, if you if you guys hadn't surmised, Harry in the middle of the night did a little nonverbal Levy Corp on our good friend Runa Waslib. And um and so um her Ron, uh, full of joy and laughter the next day, decides to regale the story to Hermione. Classic Ron, first of all. I personally feel 
so stupid. Like, even if I have a story, even if I'm on Hermione's side, which I am, I still think it was dumb of Ron to tell Hermione about this, especially before Hogsmeade. She's going to be in a bad mood the whole time. Uh, He just needs to be the center of attention. Hermione, guess what happened to me in the eight hours that I wasn't with you while we were sleeping. And I was dreaming about you. (laughs) And so, yeah, Ron, not smart. Okay, so you were saying, like, how Hermione definitely, I mean, we, like, definitely should be talking to Harry about this and then you were saying like she should take it a step further so can you say more about that well I actually I don't know if she should take it a step further but I guess I wouldn't have been mad if she had taken it a step further like if she had threatened like Harry I don't want to like pull this card but if you do a spell on an unsuspecting student again I will like write you up like I as a prefect yeah like it's I let a lot of things slide, but this is not okay. And you should see that. I, yeah, that's interesting. Cause I was, I mean, I was actually trying to like take, find ways to take Harry's side just to feel like a little bit more neutral. But I, what I was kind of thinking about Hermione and how I, if I was like in her position and felt the way she did, which I do, I think I would just like try and find a way to like say my piece, make a really good argument but then, like, drop it because it's, like, he has to live with his consequences. Yeah. Which he ultimately does. And I think her kind of, like, huffing and puffing about it throughout the rest of the book doesn't help at all. Like, it makes him want to like it even more. I think this is a – I think you're exactly right, and this is a prime example. And I know I feel this way because this is my opinion on the situation. I don't mind when he uses it, the book in potions. Yeah. So – I think she's got to kind of, like, pick her battles and pick and choose. So I would, if I were Hermione in this moment, I would say, look, Harry, I was kind of feeling, like, not jealous about the Half-Blood Prince, but frustrated, recognizing your feelings. (laughs) I was feeling frustrated about the fact that I feel like I'm doing the work as everyone else is in the class and you have an extra helping hand so I was taking a lot of that out on the book that like I think if it's helping you fine use it I won't say anything else about it but I do think it's morally wrong for you to do this on the students so I ask you to think about what that means for you and you know x y and z that kind of conversation because I think you're right. I think if Harry, like, had gotten this talk from, like, Hermione and she hadn't been all up in arms about potions, or if she had come down about the potions thing, then he would, it would have been way more well-received, because like we said, it's not really in Harry's personality to do this, but because Hermione's reacting in the exact same way that she did about potions, then Harry's like, oh, well, she's just mad because it's about the Half-Blood Prince, which is really not the point here. Right. And I think that she is upset about that and she's worried about the safety stuff. But I, I was, what I was going to say is like, I think it's about knowing your friend and I can use us as an example. Like, um, like if you've made your mind about something and I like personally, I'm like, I don't know if that's a good call. Like I'll definitely like let you know that I feel that way. But what I, and what I learned through our friendship was like, 
if you've already made up your mind, like me saying that might not necessarily change your mind, but I still want you to know that. And then I try and support you. Like, I don't agree with you, but like, I'm here for you as a friend, like with whatever it is. And like, I think I had to learn that in our friendship, but I think like Hermione knows that about Harry. And so she should find a way to be like, this is really wrong. And like, you might hurt somebody, but like, find like a way to kind of drop it, I guess, from there. Yeah. I don't mean I'm always perfect at it, but like, just to kind of use it as like a personal example, because that's how I'm thinking about this so personally. Yeah, I think it is a very, like, friendship-minded thing. I'm, I actually think it's weird that Ron has, comes out in a very weird light with this whole thing. It also, I think Hermione doesn't have a great track record. Like, it does kind of remind me about the whole the firebolt. firebolt situation, yeah. <laughs> which I was firmly on the other side for. But I think she was being petty (laughs) I think that Ron I under I guess I understand where Ron's coming from because I think he thinks it's cool that Harry's beating Hermione at potions which it is in some ways (laughs) like that's fun for them because Hermione's never getting right she never is beat ever and it's like putting her on her heels a little bit and I think Ron is like, this is kind of fun. This and I get, I get that. Like, but I do think it is cause for worry that it's the same spell that the Death Eaters are using. Well, so I, yeah, I thought that that was like a really persuasive comparison, but I don't, I agree with them that it's not the same thing. Like they weren't using Leva Corpus. I think they were using more like a Wingardium Leviosa. Where no, because it's literally the Levy Corpus spell. Because the Levy Corpus spell is the only one that grabs you by your ankles and flips you upside down. And that's what was happening in four, because that's why her underwear was showing and her dress fell down. They weren't like being hung by their ankles. They were like in midair and like rolling around. And at one point she rolled upside down and her pants came down. Like they were like kind of in midair like you know kind of like I'm like motioning which is not good for a podcast but like that that was my interpretation of what was happening that it wasn't like go back and read that section I don't want to like sorry I'll look at my book book. yeah because I just I have I think always read that as a levy corpus I because I my like very vivid um memory of it is that they're like in motion which I feel like was even worse because they were like awake for it no I think you're awake all I mean you're clearly awake for loving right 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 okay so I I have it okay the floating people were suddenly illuminated by as they passed over a burning tent um he recognized them um, one of the marchers below flipped Mrs. Roberts upside down with his wand. Her nightdress fell down to reveal the luminous drawers, and she struggled to cover them up as the crowd below her screeched and hooted and hollered. Um, oh, this is what I was thinking of. Um, that sick Ron muttered, watching the smallest muggle child who had been begun to spin like a top 60 feet above the ground, his head flopping limply from side to side. Um, yeah that's I that's what I was thinking of was like the spinning um yeah oh and then earlier it says um 
The mass wizards on the ground were puppeteers and the people above them were marionettes operated by invisible strings that rose from the wands into the air. Two of the figures were very small. They were being like contorted into gross test shapes. So I think it was like definitely similar that they were being like levitated, but I, I do think it was like different spells that they were using. Okay. But I think her argument was definitely persuasive in that like, this is like not meant as like a night, like obviously it's not a nice thing to lift somebody by their ankles. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. I, think, I think it was smart of her to use that to get them to think about it differently. Like how it could be used, like it could be used in like the rock hands, I guess. Right. Um, I also just don't know if like James using it is a great argument on your side, Harry. Like, Remember the contact. Not a good look when James was using that spell. Like you so. were upset about it. <laughs> right. So I just don't know about it. I do. I made this note like after I finished reading the chapter, but I went back to this part. I think that Hermione has the same gut feeling about the book that Harry has about Malfoy. And they're both being so close-minded to each other. Like, they both have just, like, such a strong gut feeling about their perspective things. And they're both right. Yeah. And they both have, like, the same gut feeling. Like, Hermione has a gut feeling about Malfoy and about the book. And Harry has a gut feeling about both. And, like, they're both on opposite sides. And they're both not listening to each other at all. But I, I like that's interesting. I have, I mean, I know, I know that like I am superior to Hermione and that I have the gift of knowing that Harry is right. Yeah. But it does annoy me. It does annoy me. In the same way that I'm annoyed by Harry in this chapter. Yeah. Because he's not listening to her. Like, and it's such good writing because that's like what life is like. Like people. Right are on opposite like literally that's how you create conflict yeah. is that you have two people that want this want a different thing that are in direct opposition of each other that is conflict that's how you write a good narrative but if somebody's so usually wrong in some way or more wrong than the other at least right. um Ooh. yeah it, i mean child. it's definitely makes a compelling argument but I mean, I'm going to talk about this more whenever I get to that note, but like the thing that I think bothers me about Harry in this chapter and maybe not in other chapters is that he's not, he's so kind of like, I don't know if it's conceited or like, he's just so in his own opinion that like he's operating without um, discussion and normally like those three like discuss things and like are on a unified front which for the ultimate series I think it's good that we see how they deal with conflict because in the next book it's elevated even higher but it's just so it's hard it's so hard to watch this like kind of happen it is hard I think and it's strange because like we don't often see like Hermione and Ron on the same team. So I also, ooh, I just kind of answered my own question from earlier. I think Ron, like it is fun to watch Harry like win and everything, but I think Ron also like kind of has to be on Harry's side for the Half-Blood Prince thing because 
he's not on Harry's side with the whole Malfoy thing. So it's sort of like a give and take. Like maybe Ron, Mr. Not Subtle, No Tact is like picking his battles a little bit. I I kind of disagree. I think that Harry or Ron's default is to support Harry. And that it's super telling that he doesn't support Harry on the Draco thing. Like that's big of Ron. Well, that's what I'm. That's I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like he can. He never would have not supported. Right. Harry, but I think he can see the tension with the Half Blood Prince book with Harry and Hermione. So when he's like Leva Corpus in the middle of the uh, night, he's maybe like, mm, I won't be as like mad about this as I could have been. <laughs> Oh, I see. I just think he would like normally be on Harry's side and like, that's just normal. He's not doing it to like help ease the tension. Yeah. That like, it's a big deal that he's, you know, doing the, the opposite. And then yeah. he thought about that more. The um, Malfoy thing is interesting. It's interesting yeah. that Ron takes this like Stands Ron out. also hates Malfoy, like same as Harry. Like, and I do think Hermione, obviously, she dislikes Malfoy, but I think she's coming from it from a very different angle. But I also don't think Harry's coming at it all from like he hates Malfoy. Right. Like, he, I think I mean, he's actually like, but right. We know that, I guess, because we're in his head, but I'm saying, like, even here, like, before, he even really has a lot of definitive proof that he's right. I think his reason for being so invested in it is, like, his evidence that he's been collecting. Like, I don't think he's, like, oh, it must be Malfoy because I hate him so much. Right. No, I think that's, that's so surprising. I'm agreeing with you about, like, that's surprising that Ron's not agreeing for that reason. Yeah. I do agree that I don't think Harry, like Harry's trying to make the point that it's not about that, which I think is what you're saying. Yeah. Right. And I mean, like Harry does have a bit of a Malfoy obsession, but again, it's because he's like collecting all this evidence and in his head, like that's like, he's seen it and then he can't get his mind off of it. So like everything he sees now is another like check mark in this is a Malfoy situation, which he's correct. He just happened to set his path on the right one. And now like things are sort of falling into place. But, um, you know, hormones, horniness is like playing in. (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) he's like really frustrated. He's 16. He's got all of these unwanted like sexual feelings for Malfoy. And that's like not helping the situation. He can't talk to Ron and Hermione about that, obviously. Right. So he's like doubling down that Malfoy has to be evil because he's like, if he's not evil, then like maybe I should date him. That's unacceptable. I have to find a reason not to want to fuck him. I think we've solved it. We've cracked the game. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I I just had a couple of like random notes about the argument that Harry, Rod, and Hermione are having. Like Hermione's like the half blood thing doesn't mean he's not a Death Eater. Like they he, they would gladly like take the two of you. And then they're, like, both, like, well, they wouldn't take us. I'm, like, not the point. Like, she's just making a general point. <laughs> like, Ron's, like, well, we're blood traders. We wouldn't be death eaters. And she's, like, no, I I get it. And Harry's, like, well, I'm Harry Potter. They wouldn't take me. And she's, like, no, I get it. 
I guess. But also they literally did try to take you in the first book. So like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just like, let her make her point. Like, listen to her. Do you ever think about, you think, well, okay, we probably talked about this in the first book we talked about it, but just a quick sidebar. Um, do you think that Harry, um, like, if Harry had said, yes, I'll join you, that Voldemort would have just killed him instantly after he got the stone because of the prophecy? Or do you actually think he would, like, train up Harry as, like, a, like, evil son? Um, I think Voldemort would definitely have killed him because Harry's a threat to his power, but I do think right. the other Death Eaters were seeing Harry as a possible new leader because he defeated Voldemort. And like, oh, maybe this guy is our, like, is more powerful. So Voldemort would want to kill him because he might be a power threat, which is also like why he wants to kill him, period, but... <laughs> I mean, like, like, let's say he didn't get the Sorcerer's Stone, but Harry is still, like, with the Malfoys or whatever. Like, I think that they would be grooming him to be, like, a powerful leader. Ooh, so interesting. I mean, that's just my opinion. <laughs> I, ooh, uh, ooh, that makes me want to, like, read a fan fiction about that right now. I'm sure, I mean, there are tons of dark Harry fan fictions, but, like, I want a very specific one. This is what happens to me with fanfic all the time. I'm like, ooh, I have an idea for one. And I'm and then I go to the jury discord and I'm like, hey, is there a fan fiction that has this exact thing that I am looking for? And then they give me it. And it's so nice. I mean, this might, you know, make you want to do it more, but I'm just like gonna expand it a little bit because I have my expand, own expand, expand. Do, 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 do. my brain thinking. Okay, so Let's say this is the case. Like the series goes the the exact same way, but yeah, Harry decides to be friends with Malfoy. He's like figuring that out, and he's like rising in that. So does in this case does Harry then become a Slytherin? Sure, he's because evil. the only reason why he's not a Slytherin is because he doesn't want to be a Slytherin like Malfoy. So yeah, so he, yeah, he's a Slytherin. He's like bad Harry or whatever. So. Voldemort comes back in the fourth one, but at this point, Harry's already like, gaining all this power. If Voldemort can't kill him still, um, and so then like the rest of the series, like Harry rises to this like great power, and so then the Order with Voldemort have to defeat Harry because Her like they're like we'd rather have Voldemort than Harry because Harry's so bad and Harry's gonna overpower Voldemort. How wild would that be? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if the Order would team up with It's Voldemort. like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I know, but I just don't know if the Order would well, team up with Voldemort. I wouldn't say they're, like, on the same side, but they're both, like, Voldemort's faction and the Order's faction are both working to kill Harry. But the other thing is, like, if the Death Eaters are around Harry, like, who is on Voldemort's side? Really? He doesn't have anyone. Which is, so I don't think, I don't think he can come back. I think then the villain becomes, Harry. I think, I think Harry just kills Voldemort, actually, is what I think would happen. Like, Harry would find people and would destroy Voldemort. Voldemort Although that's hard. Cedric. 
Because that's hard because of the horcruxes, though. That's interesting. He's got, like, two sides he's got to be fighting. Uh, oh, my God. I love it so Or maybe Voldemort but- does his plan of getting the Dementors and the Giants or something like that. Like, he has the creatures, and then Harry has the Death Eaters. And then the Order is, like, still, like, the good guys. Although, I guess we're from Harry's perspective at this point, but. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. Might be fun. Super fun. Super, ooh, super spoopy. It's definitely a dreary. That you, it can't not be. But I think Draco actually has to be, like, good. Like, eventually. Like, I think he actually has to be against Harry being this. Like, he tries to talk, he, like, yeah. he gets further in and he's like, whoa. I That's just, like, this is too far. I didn't mean for it to go. Like, I met this girl, Hermione, and she's, like, really cool. And I think I'm going to join her side. <laughs> it's really a Dramani. Stop it. It would never be. First of all. Um, but I do think it actually could be that though, where like Draco betrays Harry and then Draco is like a spy for the order. This is really about Draco. This is a story. This is like Draco's like the main character now at this point. Because it all starts, he's the tr- whatever trigger and heap. Like, he's- yeah, it's, it is from Draco's point of view. That's, that's true. But, and then, yeah. Yeah, because then I think, and then I think Draco has a lot of impetus to switch sides because I think his first trigger could be that whatever, the Malfoys take Harry in. Harry doesn't have to go to his aunts and uncles anymore. He's taken in by the Malfoys. Then Harry becomes golden child in the Malfoy family. Yeah. But like, if you did try and keep it from Harry's perspective, it would be hard. It would be really hard. What do you mean? Like, if you tried to keep Harry as, like, the hero, as, like, this bad person. Oh, you mean as the main character? Yeah. Yeah. Like. Oh, I think it, you're right. I think it works way better as a Draco Malfoy anti-hero story where he switches sides. Like, honestly, like, far in, though. Like, it can't be, like. It would have to be after the fourth one. I think after whatever the new fourth version is and whoever's, like, the person that dies the Cedric um I feel like that's when Draco would switch maybe in the fifth one like you know it's been some time maybe that's when it starts to oh boy oh boy it's so good it's so good but we don't have it would be cool to see like again I'm gonna make a charmed reference it's been a while like there's a alter there's a season where they do this alternate reality where there's like the evil side and the good side and they people interact at some point but like everyone is an exact mirror but like if this was the situation where Draco's like the leader like there is no person that would be similar to that except for Peter but he's not in like our current story to like do a direct comparison but maybe it would be like a Peter situation where we don't know what was the impetus for Peter switching. I mean, we like know that like it was power or whatever, but like that would actually be kind of interesting to see how they got Peter onto Voldemort's side. Like how did that courtship go? And what did that look like? I am actually really interested in that. Me too, but I actually think it's probably like not very interesting. I think they probably just threatened him. 
Like they probably were aware that he's the weakest link and they probably were like, we'll kill you. Yeah, that's disappointing because I would like to see, you know, what made him really. Yeah, but I think he's just scared. I think at the end of the day, he's a coward. He just wants to live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, that that just reminds me of we're, we're reading The Hate You Give for our book club. And the main character's dad is like comparing Harry Potter to gangs and gang violence. And I thought that was fascinating. And like, he was like, he had his points. He's like, it's set up. There's gang colors and they don't like mix and like. (laughs) They rep their their color and there are rival colors. Like he's not wrong. Yeah. He had some other stuff too, but that, I mean, that was like, that's interesting. That is really interesting. And that, again, we've talked about how the houses cause problems. So it's not like a jump and a leap from what we've talked about, but like. No, right. Yeah. I think, um, sorry, if, I mean, I know this is kind of like an obvious book recommendation right now, but if any of you haven't read The Hate You Gave, this is my second time reading it. Um, I am obsessed with it. I've actually been like weaning myself on it. So I don't like finish it too quickly. Um, I really love this book. It's so, so good. It's a great book to read right now in the current political climate because it gives you a lot of information while also giving you a narrative about real people experiencing this. And it it's a very nuanced, like, look on the situation. Like, it well, I really, think really realistic characters. They're very like- realistic characters, yeah. It's not just, like, a cause book, which I feel like it could get, like, labeled under. Like, they're, these are really real people that, like, I feel like, some of them I know, some of them are just so well described, even though I've never met them, that I know exactly who they are. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's just a really well-written book. And like I said, it's about like teenagers for the most part, and there are Harry Potter references up the wazoo. So just, um, so just to like completely go on the other side of things, love this little quote from Jenny. Oh, I'm going there with, G- with Dean, might see you there rejected so rejected such such a casual brilliant like rejection might see you there don't know bye whatever like I don't care about you so deuces peace out I thought it was so cute that he asked though I love it (laughs) I eat it for breakfast I think it's delicious and I love it too because it's like he like at least the way it's being written it's like not saying what it is until like a later chapter right and I don't know if Harry's like saying it just oh because I want to hang out with her or if he's like trying to pretend like he doesn't have feelings yet I think because um we know who Harry is it's probably uh oh it felt good to hang out with her all summer like he says earlier like I forgot hanging out with her. Yeah, like I forgot like she wasn't a part of our friend group. Maybe she should hang out with us more. Like I want to hang out with you more. Which is honestly that's every time like I have a little bit of a crush, that's how like that's how I like realize it cuz I'm like, "Oh god, like I just wish like even though like our paths, like you're not one of someone who's in my regular friend group and our paths would never like normally cross, but like we hung out that one time or those couple times and like I just want to keep doing that. That made me feel really good when we hung out. Yeah, I think that's a good point. 
down. So cute. Duh. I, this is a personal note. I would never live this fucking far north. It seems miserable. It's only October and it's freezing. <laughs> but also, like, they have weird, like, their weather is different, though, right, than ours? You mean Scotland or Wizards? Scotland. Because I was there in the summer. Like, I was there in August, and it was rainy and cold. So I think their peak is, like, a different peak than our peak. Is it? Is it the same? I think that they end summer in July. They get, like, two warm months. June, like, maybe May, but, like, June and July are their summer. And then it goes into fall like starting in August and September yeah because when I remember being there in August and it was rainy and gross most days like I was wearing like a long sleeve shirt most days in August yeah in August I mean we can ask the expert, we can ask Annika, but I'm pretty sure it's like a really short Annika's just gonna say it rains all the time, which is true. But like temperature wise, I'm pretty sure like it's only warm, warm in June and July. Right, because I was there in June. You're right, because I was there in June last summer and and it was hot. Like I started out like it was cold during the it was like kind of almost fall weather in which like I had a sweatshirt on for like the morning and then as it got hotter throughout the day I like was wearing layers so like I took it off and I was wearing like my cropped t-shirt underneath. It's not like Australia where like they're like December is summer for them and yeah it's not like that and like Peru's like that too so I was like maybe trying to give them the benefit of the doubt but that doesn't make any sense so yeah no it's just fucking cold because like our friends are in Canada right now and their summer like their fall starts so much earlier than ours and it's not like freezing but like by like late August it's already like it's starting to change more well see I could handle Canada I think what gets me about Scotland is not really like the cold is it's more like I don't like the rain like I don't like it to be wet all the time like yeah that's such a UK thing yeah like I don't like the constant like wet like I don't want to be like damp always I I can handle like cold because I actually fall is my favorite season so I love just layering and being cute in my layers but I can't be cute in my layers and then be like drenched in water um, I'm at Hogsmeade, basically. Yes. You didn't know. <laughs> okay, so I'm in, um, I'm at Dungy Dung Dung. Slughorn? Oh, I skipped over that. I oh. felt like there was nothing of note there, but let, yeah, let's talk about Slughorn. I just had one note that I thought it was, like, clever of Harry to have Quidditch the nights that the party, or the parties yeah. were, um, and then I had a note about Ron, of course, with this whole slughorn thing. In the same vein that I gave, the note I gave Hermione, you need to find a way to just, like, let it go. Like, and don't be mad at Harry and Hermione. Be mad at slughorn all you want. But, yeah. like, you have to find a way not to be angry with them. 
And I, I feel for Ron, like if I was in his position, I would have a hard time, but I would have to find a way to be friends with my friends and not be jealous. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. It's, that's my advice. (laughs) I think it's good advice. I think it's hard advice to take, but I think it's good advice. Okay, now I'm at my youngest, unless you had something else about, you wanted to say about Slughorn. No. In a similar vein, Harry, calm down. You 100% deserve to be this angry. I would be livid bouncing off the walls, but you gotta calm down, buddy. Got a lot of anger going on. I think so too, but I also felt like when Hermione was like also saying like, you need to calm down, like, I would feel dismissed, like, in that situation. Yeah, I just, I just mean, like, you can catch more flies with honey than you can with, I don't remember the rest of that phrase, but rage. Yeah, I have no idea. So, what? That, that scene was just on Vice Principal. Oh, yeah, they were just talking about this on the show we were watching, about catching more flies with honey. <laughs> And she's like, and the guy was like, you're a fucking monster for saying that. Uh, <laughs> what are you guys watching right now? Um, Vice Principles, which is like, um, it's on HBO. Why are you guys watching, um, what do you call it, with Jason Bateman? Oh, Ozark? Yeah. Well, um, Vice Principles is a comedy um, but Griffin likes it more than I do. I think it's a little too crude for me. Um, it's okay. Did you watch Righteous Gemstones? No. Um, or did you hear about that show? I know what it is. I just didn't watch it. It's the same creator. Vice Principals was first though. Like, so he did Vice Principals and then he did Righteous Gemstones. Um, he's just like kind of that, I mean, I think he's like a really smart comedian and writer, but Vice Principals is rough. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) All right. Um, Mendungus. Fletch. He sucks so much. And you know what? Like, fuck him. And you know what? I, sometimes we read Mendungus chapters and I'm like, I have so much rage. Where is this rage coming from? He hasn't done anything. And then I got to this chapter and I was like, Yes, he's a piece of shit. How dare he go into that house, take that stuff, parade it around. And the Mad-Eye stuff. Yeah, like he's just, it's so absolutely, the level of disrespect is out of this world. Um, Also, like, how did this happen? Like, I'm surprised that the house itself didn't, like, revolt against this. Like, stop him somehow. (laughs) Like, there was, ma- I was, like, waiting for magic to, like. Maybe because they don't like their, new- it's new master. Yeah. But also, like, I thought they had kind of stopped using the house for headquarters. Like, I don't know. I'm very upset, and I feel Harry's pain. No, I, I think Harry is reacting the way any normal person would react. When I said to calm down, I just mean, like, take a breath, Harry. For your own sake. Yeah, for your own sake. Because, like, this could really spiral your year. Like, like, that is such a hard thing. Like, if my, like, parent passed away, 
and some asshole decided to come in and steal their stuff from my home while I was at school, I just like, there would be no holds barred. Like it's just, I don't, it's really hard for me to get into the head of Mundungus because his language here is like completely unaware, speaking of tone deaf, completely unaware of the seriousness of his actions. Oh, I think he's aware because he's like, trying to get the fuck out of there well like he's aware but he like his like when he he talks like yeah he has no remorse like he's not like oh my god i'm so sorry like i had to make ends meet like i'm starving like i'm not like he's not trying to make excuses for himself he's just like hey i gotta make some money am i right harry like (laughs) no moral compass i i like okay one i feel bad for tongues like i hate seeing her like this but like also come on where's your sympathy for harry (laughs) Like, I know you're going through something, but, like... This was not a good Tonks moment for me. Yeah. Like... I have issues with Tonks. I just... I I just hate for her that this thing with Lupin is, like, has taken over her whole person. Like, not just her life. And I don't like that. You, like, dimmed her light. Yeah, I never want that to be the case for somebody, but yeah, but it's also real. It is. I do, I do feel like their courtship is a little fast. So like, well, but, I guess I would understand it more if like they were together and he died in the war, but like they've never even been together, and she's like this devastated, right? And he's not dead. Right. Just said no. Yeah. I do. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to like tell her how to be because in in actuality, like this is her person. Like they do end up getting married. So she's not like wrong that there's this strong of a feeling, but I do kind of think she's like, it like does kind of scare, like, honestly, if my friend was behaving this way, over a person that they had never dated and they and it was letting them get this flow and depressed like I would be concerned about them like I wouldn't I would almost not I don't want to say I wouldn't understand it but like I would be concerned that a person affected them this much that they didn't have like an actual relationship with yes 100 percent and it, it does feel very like high school but it's scarier that it's an adult right like, it makes me think that there is something, like, a mental health, like, self-esteem issue with Tonks that I feel like is not warranted or present. So, I do have cues about that. I think it's supposed to be more, like, this is, like, true, true love. And, like, the way they do it, I hate to make this comparison, the way they do it with Bella and um, Robert Patton, um, what's his name? Edward in the Edward, second book. Edward Cullen. Edward Cullen in the second book where she's like broken because he left or the third Which book. makes one, but yeah, it, it is, it's exactly like that. Like Tonks is in a very similar place to Bella, which but, is bad because Bella's in high school, one. Bella okay. has extremely low self-esteem and her life was surrounded by Edward problem and they dated for a year and they dated for a year like a talks girl I don't know yeah I think it's like supposed to be romantic I guess that she's like this maybe but it's just sad I do think that maybe we can justify it I've read some like I don't read 
not that I don't ship it I do ship it but I like Wolfstar better so I don't read a lot of it's in the book like I don't read a lot of like Tom Slupin yeah but I when I I watch a lot of like RPs like people that like do like Tumblr like gift set RPs of them and then I watch like I have read like I think one or two fics with them in it and I think a lot of them say that they start hooking up and they are sort of like soft dating before this point. I and believe that. Like cuts it off, which I think makes a lot of sense. And like, especially if he's keeping it like under wraps. Yeah. And then, so like they've been together, they're in like this, like she's fully fallen in love. And then he's like, hard turkey, no. Then I kind of understand where it's like, you didn't want to be around me before you wanted to keep me a secret. You didn't like that we were together and I fought to get you to like get to this point where you could open up to me and then you said no because of your own self-hatred then I can kind of see like where she's coming from I guess yeah and I mean it's like a rom-com plot where like you're pining over this uh, usually it's a female pining over this male and he doesn't want her and so she's like devastated and then by the time he's like oh no I really want to be with you she realizes that she's in love with this other guy so I mean that doesn't happen thank goodness but right but like it's supposed to be that she learns that she doesn't need him right but instead he like gives in so I'm really seeing this relationship in a new light I'm I don't like it. Let's um, move on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess I would like it more if I saw how heartbroken he was over it, which I think he is. Um, Okay, poor Katie. This is terrifying. (laughs) This is a scary situation. I hate how brilliant this foreshadow is that she who must not be named does where Ron's looking for Madame Rasmerta and she's like not behind the bar and they use it as like a, oh, Ron. And like Hermione is jealous of Ron and like they put it in, she puts it in that context, but like it's really a hint that Madame Rasmerta is not, is up to no good. It's white. Obviously she's not, Madame Rasmerta is not bad. She's right. She's cursed, but it's quite good. Also, Malfoy's magic is quite good. That he's doing this, and then he, like, has Madame Rose Murdoch spell Katie, like... Well, this is, like, Crab or Coil that do Katie and possibly Resmurda, because, like, when would Malfoy have gotten to Madame Resmurda to put that spell on him? Oh, right, 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 right. I forget that they're not, like, doing a polyjuice situation right here. They are. Crab or Goyle are in the bathroom. Right. But Madam, or, oh no, maybe it is. No. I think Madam Rosemary is in the bathroom. Yeah. But like, how did he get to her? I, I thought potentially Crab and Goyle were polyjuiced as Draco in detention. And then Draco was in. I um, don't think so. I don't think Draco is there. But, like, also, she had to have received the necklace at this point, which means that they were already allies in that sense. Like, he was already in Piri seeing her. Right. 
So I don't know how all this happened. Maybe he woke up early, did a little jog to box me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think, I think it could be Crabber Royal, but I think the spell work is too impressive. Right, they're not supposed to be very good. They're just lookouts, but yeah. I just think that Harry at some point says that it was like Crabber Royal in the bathroom. Um, when he realizes that Crab and Goyle are dressing up as, or like polyjuicing as girls. Yeah. So maybe that's why I'm thinking that. Maybe it's like a, yeah, theory. Yeah. Um, the movie did the um, necklace thing really good and it was terrifying. Well, that's why I, I have this note too. I was like, it is such a visually, like, it's terrifying, but it's a stunning visual the way the bunny, the movie does it. Like that whole image of her arms sprawling out, the hold on her mouth, screaming, her hair going wild. Like it's such a like cinematically beautiful, yeah. like the shot. dark hair and like yeah, it's pale, just, pale skin. Like it's, it's just so good. And then the sound design of like, because it like cuts out right, and then like it's completely silent, and then it goes and you like hear the shriek horror movie it's so good that's like actually one of my favorite shot things in like all of the harry potter i just think it's so visceral and it inhabits the like tone of this moment so well like it's exactly as the author intended and it just like takes it and it puts it in a cinematic world and it's beautiful and it comes out of nowhere because like we talked about this with john it's like this book does a lot of like jokes and like the tone seems very like light and then it cuts drastically to these like really dark moments yeah they're laughing Hermione's a little bit tipsy like they're like she's like putting their their his her arms around like Ron and Harry and they're yeah. having this like lovely little Hogsmeade time and then you just like see it and then she like whips up and goes in different directions and you're like oh shit what is so, happening I mean it's so real in the sense that like you know, especially like right now, like we're living in a tumultuous time. So it's like, we're having like these nice moments and then you're reminded of like what's happening outside. And like, we talked about this before with like the Quidditch tryouts. It's like so innocuous, but then like Hannah Abbott's mom just died and like all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Ron is a dumbass. He almost picks up the necklace. Yeah, he's stupid. <laughs> also, of course, Harry, like, remembers something, this, again, innocuous, like, from five years ago. He's like, I know that necklace. It was important at first. <laughs> Harry just remembering weird stuff. Harry is like, I've been putting together my piece. Harry's been, like, writing in his journal, like, every small detail he remembers about Morgan Burke. I think it's a really good theory that he has about Malfoy. Agree. I agree. But I and think it's a theory. <laughs> a theory he is correct about. Right. But at this point, it's a theory where he has, like, a little bit of stuff to, like, support it. Right. But I don't think, I don't blame him for telling McGonagall. I think it's Neither. a, I think it's a fair thing for him to be like, hey, like, 
Um, this is what I know about the situation. Do like just watch out for Malfoy. Right. I think that's totally fair. But he doesn't do that exactly. Right. He doesn't. Right. So yeah, I agree. I think it's totally good. I think it's actually really good that he's telling McGonagall, like, yes, I need to have a history of telling teachers. Right. So like I'm nervous about this thing. Like we have a lot better vocabulary to put it. It's like Say it as a theory. He keeps saying things like they're facts. Like, Malfoy's definitely this. Malfoy's definitely this. And it's like, no one's going to listen to you if you're not, like, if you're saying it like that, I think. Yeah. Like, it needs to be a discussion and that you have to understand, like, what your your evidence is circumstantial. And he's, like, not even recognizing that. No. Because, the like, the alternative uh. is, like, what if he isn't, what if what? it wasn't true? And like, what have you done to this person that's like, it is very circumstantial. And like, yes, Malfoy like is dumb and like does really bad stuff. But like, this is a whole nother level. Well, that's sort of like, um, I made you watch this movie, Atonement. Um, but like the book too, if you've ever read or seen that movie, where it's like a 13 year old or I think she's like 12 or 11, I think actually. Um, she like sees something and because of evidence from earlier in the day, she like pieces things together and then she like lets her fanciful mind like run off with itself and she draws a conclusion that like could be the case, but is 100% not the case. And then she tells the police that she saw it definitively with her own eyes and it convicts a man of rape that did not do it and lets the other man go free in a way. And it just has devastating consequences. It ruins the man's life. It ruins her sister's life. It ruins the woman, who, the little girl who was raped's life because she ends up marrying her abuser. Like it just like has like devastating like consequences. And she spends, obviously the book's called Atonement. She spends the rest of her life trying to atone for this one mistake that she's made and like ruining so many people's lives for jumping to conclusions. And she had good intentions. Right, she had good intentions. Yeah. Because I think um, Hermione is, I think like, obviously we know he's right, but like, and I think I said this in another another chapter, like, I don't think you should drop the Malfoy thing. I think you need to keep kind of figuring it out and keep having discussions with Harry and, or Hermione and Ron, but, like, the way you're being so fucking obtuse, like, no one wants to talk to you. <laughs> right, because you're not listening. You're not open to other ideas. Like, value your friends and, like, that they're not, like, they have their own guts, too, I guess. Uh, yeah. But, like, again, it's similar to, like, the Haplid Prince thing where they've sort of, like, now, because Harry's been so obtuse about it, they've taken a side. So now they're not really even open to, like, what he's saying either. Yeah, I think they both are, like, I think Ron and Hermione, and I think in this situation, they did hear him out a little bit more. And then they were like, I still see a lot of, like, questions. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's rough for Harry when McGonagall is, like, Thank you for sharing, but Draco's been with me all day. Yeah. I think that's a rough look for him. Yeah, but he doesn't care. He has no shame about it. He's still right. <laughs> um, I do wonder, like, 
when is Hermione right when she was saying I asked about the necklace and they said it he said it was like this much money but then like the whole it would look funny walking with it but it like obviously would be wrapped up and like was he talking about the necklace or the cabinet? I think it's what I was saying earlier, where yeah. I think he was talking about the vanishing cabinet where he was saying, when he was saying, what would I look like carrying that down the street? Yeah, but then, but, like, did he talk about the necklace at all with Borgen at that, in that conversation? I don't know. <laughs> right, because, like, Harry's so convinced, and I'm like, is Harry wrong in that, like, that conversation wasn't about, like, was Hermione right in this one section well I don't think he can I think I think that her Hermione is right about the wrapping like I don't think I think it's weird I don't think yeah he would say well, what would I look like carrying that down the street like he could put it in a bag like it right. doesn't make sense for that to be about the necklace potentially other parts of that were about the necklace and that was about the cabinet or potentially it's all about the cabinet because he does say keep that one safe right I think that's the necklace. Maybe. And then what would I look like carrying that down the street is the cabinet. And we, or I had them swapped. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, I think that was all of my notes. Yeah, same. I had a quiz question. What candy does Hermione use to distract Ron from the whole Slughorn thing when they're in Hogsmeade? She's like, oh, look, they have blah, blah, blah. Fizzing Whizbees. <laughs> I am deluxe sugar quills. Oh, those would last hours. <laughs> <laughs> Hermione. Hermione. She did try. Um, I also have a quiz question. Okay. What is the Gryffindor password? Ooh, I have no idea. I don't remember. Um, it is Gilly Drought. Oh, wow. I didn't pop. I didn't pop. I didn't catch that at all. Peep that. Didn't peep it. It's at the very end of the chapter, so that's yeah. okay. Um, where did my... Oh, I think I gave it um, 99 points. Yeah, I gave it 95 points. This is a solid chapter. Things are happening left and right. Yeah. Look, you know what? The, our chapters have been constant highs. So I'm feeling really confident about this being my favorite book at the mo. Good. <laughs> yeah. But this is also, I feel like, how a lot of Goblet of Fire was. So I just need to... Yeah. It's, I mean, every, this book, I, again, I always think of it as so short because, like, every chapter has, like, plot stuff, and because so, there, she's trying to set up so much before the last book, too, so, like, right. it's such a plot-heavy book, which is really nice, um, and I like, I mean, I also, I, like, like it and everything, but the reasons I like, for instance, the fifth one isn't the plot stuff, it's, like, the yeah and things yeah um, so I feel I bad for prisoner of Azkaban I feel like it's getting like bumped down for me for me oh wow yeah 
I mean, it's it's hard because like them as adult, like almost adults is so fascinating. It's so interesting. I think, and I think, you know, it makes sense that as I get older and like, you know, as I get more into like ships and stuff like that, that I would like the sixth and the fourth one better. Like I think as I was, when I was a kid, like it makes a lot of sense for the third to be one of my favorites because it still like has a place in my heart, but yeah, the third one feels really like child. Like they feel childish. Yeah, I still love it. It's not a diss, but like reading these, it's such a difference. For sure, and they still obviously do childish stuff. Like let's not be uh, right, right, whatever. Uh, my rat was Avi Mundungus. Same. And then I gave my champ to my girl Hermione. We didn't talk about her, but I gave my champ to Leanne. Oh, oh yeah. She had a rough time in this so chapter. Hard. She was blaming herself, but you know what? She was in the right. She yes. said, is really fishy about this situation, girl. You better not bring that to the castle. And then she put it all together. She was like, oh my God, she must have been spelled. And then she was able to account her story, not once, but twice before she was collapsing because her friend is fully in a coma. She saw it happen. If they hadn't been fighting over the necklace, it wouldn't have happened. So she just... And, I mean, she saved Katie Bell's life, like, in a different way. Like, if Katie yeah. Bell had gotten to the castle and they caught her with that, she could have gotten into so much trouble and they might not have realized that she was being cursed. Right. Um, I mean, they probably, assuming... I think they probably would have because, like, Katie is a pretty clean record. Like, this is clearly not, like, a Katie thing to do. Right. But, but like, it, she she knew something was up and she acted on it, like... Yeah. Leanne, you're right. Leanne does deserve it. Leanne, you're a champion. Um, You're a good friend, Leanne. Don't beat yourself up. She really is. Um, What tattoo would you get? So this is super dark. (laughs) But because I love that scene in the movie so much, I might do like the scrawled picture. Oh my, I said maybe the necklace, if it's, like, cool looking. Like, I would never actually get that as a tattoo, right. but I think out of everything, it's the most, like, visually stimulating, like. Yeah. And it's kind of just scary, like, the wild, like, it would have to be, like, a back tattoo. It's almost just, like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, that's what I would have to do. I also said, like, the three broomsticks, like, thing. Yeah, that's cute. I mean, this isn't, like, the first time the three broomsticks is introduced, but. Yeah. Maybe just, like, a little butterbeer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, next chapter, the secret riddle. Da, da, da. Dumby lesson. I don't think he forgot about you, Harry. <laughs> All right. Well, stay magical, y'all. Charmed, I'm sure, you guys. Mischief managed. Bum, bum, ba, bum, 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 bum.